Hello everyone and welcome to the Commander's Forge. My name is Andy Bentley and the Forge is an area for me to talk about magic, commander, anything else that I deem necessary. And today we're going to be focusing mostly on the magic side of things. Uh, I am joined by a very special guest today though. Nate, if you'd like to give a quick introduction. Hi everyone, I'm Nate Babbitt, Andy's cousin and co-host of the Commander's Forge stream. This will be the first podcast I've actually joined, so this will be interesting. And I did finally get him on the podcast. Now, if you've been paying attention to anything in Magic recently, you know that there have been several updates that they've put out. I'm going to touch on one, and then we'll do a little more deep dive on some of the other stuff. So, for anybody that hasn't heard, uh, Wizards has announced that they're going to re be returning to the Pro Tour. Doesn't give specific dates on when they're going to be starting it does break it down into regions the the main thing you need to know is if you win a regional championship qualifier you go to a regional championship if you win that you go to the pro tour you win that you go to the world championship that's it the main reason i wanted to talk about it is because of the promos the first one's lava spike which isn't that exciting and there is a Teferi Hero of Dominaria at a higher step. Not real interested in that either, but the Nykthos. Shrine to Nyx. That art. It is just mm, magnificent. But yeah, that's all I have to say about that. We are going to step right into our next thing, though. Which is the April Super Drop for Secret Lairs. There's so a Nate, few in there that I like. <laughs> you did get a chance to look through these, right? I did, yeah. Okay. How do you feel about the Gilded Foil Streets of New Capenna showcase one? I mean, they're cool. They match the new set. Um, I'm probably not gonna buy it. <laughs> I'm not either. Per se, but uh, do you do you know my main problem I have with it? It's only in foil. No. <laughs> That's my problem. The three cards in it are Attracts a Praetor's Voice, Yidris Maelstrom Wielder, and Brea Ethereum Shaper. That is only is three of the, the five, commanders yeah. from Commander 2016. It just doesn't make any sense to me, and I, it, just, it annoys me to no end. <laughs> well, have they reprinted Kyrian um, the other no. ones? No, not at all. Okay. Yeah, yeah there's there's no reprint of Saskia that I know of, or of the cat whose name escapes me. But yeah, you know, some people might like it. Next, we have the one thing that I don't think I'll ever buy, which is a um, special guest Matt Jukes, which is an all lands pack. It is interesting art. I'll give it that. <laughs> I do like how they're simplistic looking. Like, yeah. That is nice, but I, I think I'm with you on that. I'm probably not going to end up getting that. I mean, if it was the Shocklands, maybe. But the fact that it's the Allied Havelands, it just seems like an odd choice of land cycle to include in one of these. Uh, after that, we're going to butcher some, nam some names. Um... <laughs> But we have the artist series, Migueli, and I have no idea how to pronounce her Vill last name. Villeneuve? Maybe. 
kind of looks like it. I don't know. Uh, I do guess. enjoy <laughs> her art style. I just don't necessarily want any of these cards. Uh, I know the the art on Death Shadow looks really nice. Right. Uh, but this is like the fourth Mother of Runes that's been in a secret lair. <laughs> so I'm just not not real interested. Uh, after that, we have another artist whose name I'm going to butcher. Sidharth Shattervedi? Yeah, I think that's, yeah, Chattervedi sounds about right. And this is the one that I will most likely buy all for one card. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to guess it's a Crossroads. <laughs> yeah, it definitely wasn't the basic island, the Ghost Quarters, and the Nomad Hobos. You sure? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I just, like, this is the first reprint Concordant Crossroads has had, besides right. being, I believe, a gold border. It was a bit of a, of a surprise. I was not expecting something like that to get Yeah, reprint. and I honestly, I think that card alone is going to be worth the cost of the lair, so the other three are just kind of throwaway cards. Gotcha. And then uh, after that, we have Wayne Reynolds. Yes, this is Wait. the one I am excited for. <laughs> I, don't get me wrong. I enjoy this art, and seeing uh, Torben Thane of Redfell look like Gimli is hilarious. <laughs> But the yeah. main the main draw for this one for me is the reprint of Balthor to the Fild. Like, yeah. Again, an odd choice, but you know what? I I guess. No, I like it. I'm all for it. <laughs> <laughs> I already know what deck I need to th- uh, slot it in, so I, I'm all for this. Okay, that's fair. Uh, then we get to the final one, which hurts your brain and doesn't terribly uh, appeal to me, which is the left-handed magic cards. Yeah, I mean, it's cool. It's nice for a little wacky, like, April Fool's yeah. joke surprise. But, so, like so you my said... my thing it... is, anybody that's played Magic for, like, more than five years is going to look at these and intrinsically say this is wrong. Right. Which was basically your base reaction to it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, it hurts my brain. And, <laughs> and even on my side of things, being left-handed, like, I tend to hold my cards in my left hand. And this is going to throw me off so much if I ever had one in hand. Also, interesting choices for the reprints here. Right. Well, Empress Kalina, that was a cool one. I'm yeah. surprised that, like, the Geralt's Messenger, like, they're all kind of legendary permanents, except for... Except for the Messenger. Yeah. I, I just... I don't know. I think they could have gone with a different Garrick. Color Beast is fine, but, like, even if they just did the original Garrick, I think that would have been a better reprint. Like, oh, right. Then there's oh, the yeah. <laughs> just some totally normal guys. Uh, they're very normal. They're very normal. Just remember, you can't even. Uh, I've never even heard of Goblin Settler. No, me neither. So it was it was cool to see that as a um, as yeah. A so like, I it, that sent me down a little bit of a rabbit hole. I'm not entirely happy to see a Void Winner in there. <laughs> a car- I think that card was a mistake. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's mana cost is adequately adjusted what it does. I think it's fair for its mana cost. I think it's just annoying to play against. <laughs> and then, of course, after that, you have all of your bundling options. Uh, Nate, final thoughts on uh, Secret Layers. I mean, I'm fine with a few here and there. Um, not super big on 
these ones, except for the one with Balfour. But uh, right, and it's not even like you. There's one drop with every card in it is great for you. Right, and that's kind of where I'm at too. And I'm not the biggest proponent of secret layers. I've only bought a few in the past, and it just I don't know. It seems like if they really wanted to milk some money out of the secret layer thing, they would actually look at cards that people are constantly asking for reprints of. All right, well, the problem with that is a lot of people are asking for reprints of cards on the revised list, well, or reserved list. That's yeah, that's, <laughs> that's true. Actually, the amount of tweets I saw of people thinking that Concordant Crossroads was on the reserve list... I, I thought it was, too. That's why I was a little shocked when I saw it. So <laughs> No, I think the only reason it's ever gotten a reprint is because it's a world enchantment. It's just an odd enchantment type. Mm-hmm. But other than that, like that's kind of my final thoughts on this. I'm not blown away by much, but I'll take the Concordant Crossroads. I will take all the Concordant Crossroads. If you want to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash commanderforge that is cmdr underscore forge any support is greatly appreciated there's four different tiers I still I'm thinking about restructuring it to something different but it's a start and we're back now as of Thursday, the Nukapenna spoilers have started, and there are things that I am not happy about, and things that I am happy about. <sighs> so where do we want to start, Nate? Um, it'd be best if we do the, let's see, the heads of the five families. That'd probably be good. Alright, anyone in particular you want to talk about first? Um... <laughs> I mean, there's the one that I like that I know you despise. Then let's start there. Okay. Lord Xander the Collector. Four (laughs) blue, black, red. He is a 6-6 vampire demon noble. And there's a lot of words that I don't want to read. Right. So the cool thing about Lord Xander is he has an ETB, an attack trigger, and a die trigger. That all do different things and all punish at least somebody for something. Uh, when he enters the battlefield, target opponent discards half their cards in their hand rounded down. When he attacks, the defending player mills half their library rounded down. And when he dies, target opponent sacrifices half the non-land permanents they control rounded down. So do you I know where that. my problem is with this? Uh, I think I know where it lies, but you should say it anyways. I do not like the denial of resources. <laughs> Games have to end somehow. I know they do, but this... uh, I just... mm, Not a fan. But then again, that honestly doesn't surprise you, because I've told you I'm not really a fan of any of the heads of the houses. Right, yeah, you did mention that. Uh, And let me go to my next defender. Uh, Jetmere Nexus of Revels. One red, green, white for a 5-4 cat demon. Creatures you control get plus one, plus zero, and have vigilance as long as you control three or more creatures. They get plus one, plus zero, and trample as long as you control six or more creatures. And they get plus one, plus zero, and have double strike as long as you control nine or more creatures. 
Well, at, at first look, most people would probably look at this and be like, oh no, that's right up Andy's alley. I don't like essentially having a reliable crater hoof in the command zone. Oh, I compare this to crater hoof, honestly. It doesn't. It doesn't give haste. You're not it gives wrong. gives vigilance, trample, and double strike. Double strike's kind of crazy, but again, you'd have nine other creatures, so board of at least ten creatures. You say that, but what does Naya do if not tokens? Right. Right. Like, uh, to, to put it in perspective for, you know, what used to be our meta, imagine what Noah would build with this. <laughs> and his Saval is already bad enough. That's true. But, I don't know, I still, I, I think Crater Hope is actually worse than this. Like, oh, Crater Hope like, literally I, enters and then everything just gets so swollen and has haste, whereas like this, it's just I, like... I also think Crater Hoof one-to-one is worse. But since you're taking the essence of that and putting it somewhere where you're always going to have access to it, that I think is what I, I have the biggest problem with. I guess. I don't know, it dies to removal. <laughs> it, it does, believe me. Uh, I know it does. Um, I think I think next we're going to move into what I think is the most boring of the five. Uh, what do you think that is? Zeatora the Incinerator. Oh, the the general one? Yep. Three black, red, green, six, six, demon dragon. It has flying, and at the beginning of your end step, you may sacrifice another creature. When you do, he deals damage equal to the creature's power to any target, and you create three treasure tokens. So, Nate, if I told you wizards made a jund dragon for a sacrifice deck, who do you think I'd be talking about? Well, I mean, there's the original one, which would be, like, uh, Frosh. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then, uh, obviously, he got usurped by uh, Corvold. Mm-hmm. And now you got Zyatora. Zyatora. Mm-hmm. Of the three, which one do you think is still going to get played the most? Corvold. Yeah. Corvold's is too much, too reliable. I, I just... <sighs> like, I was telling you yesterday, I wish they had taken the Jun shard in just a different direction because Jun sacrifice has been Jun's thing for years. Jun's going to Jun. What do you want it to do? Yeah, <laughs> apparently. Uh, regardless, uh, next up we have Rafine, the Scheming Seer, which is a white, a blue, and a black for a 1-4 Sphinx Demon with flying and ward 1. Whenever you attack... Targeting attacking creature connives X, where X is the number of attacking creatures, and connive is new ability that means you draw X cards, then discard X cards, and you put a plus one plus one counter on that creature for each non-land card discarded this way. I think this one could be fun. I, I think it could be fun too. I see a lot of um, reanimator decks coming out of it. Right. I mean, it'd be good for like an aggro-y, like use a lot of like you know, low drop unblockable creatures. Things of that nature. Lean into tokens, stuff like that. Right. Uh, again, I don't... I, I think of the five, this is probably the one I hate the least, which is funny considering <laughs> it's an Esper. I don't... I just... Mm. When when I say my hopes for the set were starting to look down when all that we had were the heads of the families, it isn't an understatement. <laughs> uh, but the last one is Falco Spara, Pact Weaver. 
one green, white, blue for a 3 3 bird demon. Isn't that an oxymoron? Aren't all birds demons? We want them to be. Regardless. <laughs> uh, he has flying and trample, and when he enters the battlefield, you put a shield counter on him. You may look at the top card of your library any time, and you may cast spells from the top of your library by removing a counter from a creature you control in addition to paying their other costs. I, I think the saving grace for this card is that there is an in, inordinate amount of odd counters in Wizards history. Oh, right. And I think people could build, like, some really gnarly, cool things with, like, the, what's the wall the roots get? It's like a zero negative one counter. Yeah. Dude, that would be actually a good combo with this. Oh, believe could... me, I know. <laughs> but, I just, I see, I, I like the idea that they're branching out with, like, you know, using counters to, like, give things abilities. I don't like the fact that I have to keep track of all these different counters. Like, it was cool when they had, you know, oh, you know, Ikoria came out with, oh, here's a flying counter, you know, all the keywords. Now we have another one, shield counters. Which I guess, from what I, I understand, there is a card in the past that uh, did create those originally. So it's not, a shield counter isn't actually something new. Possibly. I'd have to dig through to find something. But even if it didn't, essentially what the shield counter does is give it a one-shot totem armor. Yep. Yes and no. <laughs> yes, and in, in the fact like if it got destroyed, yeah. Yeah. But like, if you could also like just ping it real quick with like a damage to remove it too. True. So it could be good. I I have to see how it plays out, and, and then I'll have a better idea. But yeah, but that is the five heads of the families, and I think I've made it very clear that I think they're kind of lackluster. Right. The only one that really goes outside of the, the typical shard is probably Rafine, the Scheming Seer. Yeah. Because that one's Esper leading towards aggro, where the rest kind of follow like follow suit what, they, what those shards have been doing for right. years and years now. Because originally Esper was the artifact colors. Right. And then it shifted into like uh, gain and drain strategies... And of course, your personal favorite control. <laughs> and that you just, love me some control. You you do. You are the antithesis of me. <laughs> yeah. So so far, just not to say I'm not interested in any of the legendary creatures. I'm just not terribly big on them. But I would like to point out that. Uh, for the first time, I think, in Wizards history, they actually finished a land cycle in less than five years. Uh, and that is with all of the new Triomes, which I'm not going to list them all individually because I don't feel like it. But they have the three types, they tap for the three types, they come in tapped, and they have cycling three. Thoughts? I mean, everyone enjoyed the the other triumphs, so I'm not surprised that they'd bring these, uh, finish it. Yeah. I just, I'm very surprised that it happened as fast as it did, because the original ones were in Ikoria, which is only two years ago. And the flip side of that is Ikoria was two years ago. Nice. Uh, but you had a couple of cards so far that you wanted to talk about. Right. I am... 
really in love with the new charms that are coming out with this set. Yeah. So. You, you said there was three in particular you wanted to talk uh, about? Really four. The only one I'm like the one I don't want to talk about is the one the one I'm really not impressed with, which is uh the Nile one. But uh when it comes to the other four, like Broker's Charm, uh Maestro's Charm, Obscura Charm and Riveteer's Charm, I think those are all fantastic additions. Okay. It's like just like we'll, we'll start with Broker's Charm. So like all right. For for Bant, uh, target creature you control gets plus one plus zero until end of turn. It deals damage equal to its power to target creature and opponent, or or um, planeswalker and opponent controls, or you destroy an enchantment or draw two cards. It's literally two different forms of removal or card advantage. Yeah, and at instant speed, no less. And what did green and blue need more than more card advantage? <laughs> Regardless. Uh, uh, but right. you did say you're not terribly interested in the Naya one. Right. So, look at the Naya one. Yeah. Um, the Cabaretti charm. So, it can deal damage because the number of creatures you control is hurt, creature or planeswalker. Creatures you control get plus one, plus one, trample, or you can create two tokens. I mean, I guess, you know, if you're running Jemir, like, that would be a great addition because, like, you're going to probably have a ton of creatures on board most of the time. Right. I'm it's just not I think... a fan of it. The weird thing about the Cabaretti charm, especially if they meant it to go with Jetmir, is he already gives your creatures trample. True. It, uh, I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> uh, but let's look at the Maestro's charm for yeah. Grixis. We can look at the top five cards of your library, put one of those cards into your hand, and the rest into your graveyard. Ooh. Right, Each opponent be... loses three life and you gain three life. And it deals five damage to target creature or planeswalker. That yeah. one's good. I can it, I can see a few decks that that would get slotted into. I I'm guessing for the most part that first ability is the one that's gonna get used most of the time. Probably. I mean that or the last one. Having yeah. being able to do five damage to target creature or planeswalker is very nice. I do agree. <laughs> uh, and after that, we have Obscura Charm, which is the yes. Esper. You can so either return one... a target multicolored permanent card with mana value 3 or less from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. Counter target instant or sorcery spell. Well, <laughs> or destroy target creature or planeswalker with mana value 3 or less. See, this is the kind of Esper thing I'm familiar with. Control. But here's also a, a fun thing too. So this actually fits Rafine pretty well because, like, if you look at the first and last, like, it, it's all about low drop stuff, which is like almost like it's leaning into like heavily leaning to the aggro aspect. Sure, it's controlly. I get it. You don't like it. I love it. But <laughs> but it really does seem like they're trying to go more of a, an aggro with Esper with this set. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe that will redeem Esper in my eyes. Yeah, whatever. It's still the best. <laughs> well, I've really like I've looked at a lot of the decks I have built, and I realized like I don't have a Bant deck right now because every Bant deck I've built has just been no fun to play. Uh, I don't think I have a Naya deck right now. I definitely don't have a Grixis deck. 
I had a Jun deck, but I think I ended up taking that one apart too. And I used to have Esper Zombies. And then I like tweaked it and rebuilt it, and it's still technically Esper, but there's like two or three blue cards in it. Gotcha. And your final charm, Nate. The Riveteer's Charm. This is the Jund one. So, the three options you, it gives you is target opponent sacks a creature or planeswalker they control with the highest mana value among creatures and planeswalkers they control. Exile the top three cards of your library until in a turn or until your next end step, you may play those cards. And the last one, exile target player's graveyard. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Graveyard hate for there's never enough graveyard hate. Right. I, I do wish for like for being Jund, I kinda wish it would be like each opponent instead of just target, but yeah. that might be a little bit overpowered for what they're doing with this cycle. Yeah, probably. I, again, like I think the fact that they made them uncommons and not rares is where a lot of the limitations come from. Right, right. But even like the exile, the top three cards, and until your next end step, you can play those cards. That's probably the most exciting of the three options. Well, because they're <laughs> they're expecting you to cast this in your opponent's end step. Right. I don't know. I definitely could see me building some things out of out of the set and the commander decks. Namely, I want to talk about a couple of mono red cards. Yeah, I, I knew you've been waiting for that. <laughs> uh, so first, I want to talk about Urbrask, the Heretic Praetor. Three red red for a 4-4 four, four Phyrexian Praetor with haste. At the beginning of your upkeep, exile the top card of your library. You may play it this turn, and at the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, the next time they would draw a card this turn, they exile it, and they may play it that turn. Uh, I think the number one reason why I like this is it's kind of a control breaker. Right. Because if you flip a counterspell off the top, what are you going to do with it? Right. Uh, I also just think kind of taking away people's ability to have secrets in a game is going to make uh, games a lot more interesting. Well, eliminating a natural draw messes with a lot of decks out there. True. So something like that. Like Also... Speaking of that, this pairs very well with Dranith Magistrate, if you want to go that route. Uh, believe me, that has been the talk on Twitter. <laughs> As a uh, Boros Stacks deck, uh, that's... It could work. You could it, do that. You could, could run work. Omen Machine, too, mm. and, like, really, really mess with your opponent's day. <laughs> uh, yeah, I... Man, if I built a Boros Stacks deck, who would I put at the head... Yeah, there's not that many Boros stacks, man. Well, actually, uh, what's the companion? Uh, Zerda? Yeah, he makes activated abilities cost less for you. Right, yeah. Maybe do that, and then you lean into your Draineth Magistrate, your Rule of Law, and then your top end is just Planeswalkers. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Food for thought. But the other modern red card I want to talk about is Jaxus the Troublemaker. 
three and a red for a two three human warrior with for a red and tapping you can discard a card and create a token that's a copy of another target creature you control it gains haste and when this creature dies draw a card sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step activate only as a sorcery and then it has blitz for one and a red uh and that just means that you can cast it for one in red it comes in with haste and then gets that same keyworded text of when this creature dies draw a card sacrifice at the beginning of the next end step yeah i, I can see this one being a fun one to play around with Yeah, I like the fact that like she doesn't really care what kind of card you discard to do right. her effect. And there's a lot of like fun madness stuff you could do with her. Especially in red, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I do think I'm gonna build Urbrask over Jaxus, but I think Jaxus would be fun in an Urbrask deck. I mean Jaxus would pair well with one of those cards we talked about earlier in the Secret Lair. You're very much not wrong. <laughs> Something about copying a goblin settler over and over sounds pretty good. Yeah, that would be uh, and that would be fun. <laughs> I I feel like you'd really have to find a way to keep cards in your hand, though. Oh right, yeah. There's gotta be. You'd have to. That would probably be the hardest part with uh with Jaxus is like not running yourself out of. Right, and especially since all the best like red draw is impulse draw. Right, at least, at least nowadays, like they've been really heavily leaning into that. Hmm. Makes me wonder as this comes out if uh, we'll see just more ways to draw in mono red without exiling them. Well, actually, now we talk about that though. Does that really matter though? Because part of the effect itself draws you a card. That's true. So technically, as long as you know the token doesn't get exiled off the battlefield or something, I, I feel you should like get you would want to lean into sacrifice outlets just in case, right? Like goblin bombardment or something, right? And if you're leaning into making tokens, you could uh, throw some kiki jiki lines in there. It's definitely food for thought. But yeah, I do think I will be building Urbrask for the Guardian Project stream, unless a legendary creature comes out that just speaks to me more. Uh, and that's on the fifth, uh, May fifth, I believe. Gotcha. But yeah, that's that's kind of what we wanted to talk about today. Uh, Nate, how was it for you? I mean, I'm enjoying it. There's a lot more. There's a few things that I would be interested to build around. Um, overall, I think this will be fun. From a limited standpoint, it looks like it's going to be very mana intensive, and like fixing is going to be a very big thing. Yeah, but, I think those lines are going to be going fast in drafts. Right. But, yeah. Uh, thanks for listening along, everybody. Uh, my name, again, is Andy Bentley. I am around the interwebs you can find me on twitter and stuff i will have all of my links in my descriptions and nate tell people where they can find you 
Ah, so you can find me on Twitter as Ace Cabbage, A C E C A B E J. Uh, and that's about all I really have for a social media presence. <laughs> that's true, and you only have that because we started streaming. True. <laughs> all right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good uh, whatever time of day you happen to be listening to this. Yep. See ya. Thank you for listening. All of my links can be found in my link tree in the description below. I would like to thank Ian Foss and Cody Mulpey of the band The Crypt for allowing me to use music for my opening and ending, along with Nate and Erica Jacobs for making my original logo. And I would also like to thank Christina McNichol for creating my new logo. And I'll see you next time.